everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from the Winnipeg Free Press. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is a Kenny and Rennie post-game show following a 2-1 come-from-behind victory by the Winnipeg Jets uh, to extend this team's winning streak to a franchise record eight straight games uh, in front of a sold-out crowd on a Thursday night in Winnipeg. That's something that's looking I don't know if Rennie gave the call out and then people responded. Maybe that's what happened. Who's to say? No one can prove that's not what happened. No one can prove it is what happened. Who knows? But <clears throat> that's the kind of game fans just absolutely get crazy for right the entire game they're waiting for something they're waiting for the catharsis of you know those goals to uh to to happen that tying goal the winning goal roof blows off that place that is the kind of stuff that if you can think back and i always do uh because i was in high school when the winnipeg jets left the first time all those years that we spent in winnipeg without an nhl team never mind getting an nhl team back never having never mind having a team to cheer for never mind being able to see NHL hockey play out but to have moments like that which are really what sports are all about is is you know that th that's the good stuff right that's the good stuff uh and Winnipeg Jet fans I'm sure were extremely extremely excited about that game and the way that it turned out you're gonna hear a lot of uh you know in the media I I'm sure because a lot of the questioning and the storyline was about you know the stay in the fight and the stick to it of, of this stick to of this team and doing it the right way and all those kind of things that's a lot of what were the questions that were asked and I think it's going to be a lot of what the coverage is. Uh, I'm not buying it. Not for a single second am I buying it. That is not even close to what I saw here tonight. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets are a team that has been an extremely honest team for a long time. And I will say they've been an honest team throughout this entire stretch. I was on... That uh, I mean, I was on uh, Kipper and Bourne the other day, and I was saying as much. I did so in our Hockey Central earlier on today. I was on CJOB talking about this. Uh, I was on Rod Peterson earlier today, and Rod Peterson was talking about it being a trap game. Uh, and, and I had thought, you know, I, I don't know. I don't see that coming. The way this Jets team has been playing, they, the way they take things seriously, I don't see it being a trap game. Now, the Winnipeg Jets win this game. I'd said it wasn't a trap game. Rod Peterson was right. His his segment with me, he talked about it being a trap game. This was a trap game for a Winnipeg Jet for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, what's a trap game? It's when a lesser opponent comes in and a team doesn't take them as seriously as they should, and then they fall into the trap, right? That's what happened with the Winnipeg Jets here. And you know what? They found a way to pick the lock at the very last second and get out of it. And maybe a lot of people want to celebrate the idea of picking the lock and getting out and escaping with the win in that situation makes for a dramatic movie, right? You know, Austin powers, he's always getting out of it right at the last second. We saw some Austin powers, some 007 coming out of the Winnipeg jets here tonight. The problem with falling into a trap or getting locked up is when you play the better teams, they have better locks that you don't get to pick. 
This is not a game the Winnipeg Jets would have won against the vast majority of teams in the NHL. I'll say it right now. Now, Josh Morrissey talked after the game about the Chicago Blackhawks. He said they deserve credit for the the effort that they put in tonight. 100% right. The Chicago Blackhawks, I think, gave a lot of what they had here on this night, finished their checks, played hard. They were really good with their sticks, interrupted a lot of passes and stuff like that. The Chicago Blacks also showed on full display why they're where they are and the troubles that they're having. I can't tell you how many times they had the puck tonight and just threw it to the Winnipeg Jets. And I started clocking it. They'd throw it away to the Winnipeg Jets for no reason, no pressure. And then the Jets would carry the puck for like two minutes of time. Or something like that. This, they're a mistake-prone team. Beyond being a mistake-prone team, they're a team that ha- that literally hands the game over to their opponent on a number of occasions. I'm going to go back and I'm going to say this before. I talked about the old Winnipeg Jets as being the hare in the rabbit and the hare fable. This, to me, is the uh, is the a case of the rat, excuse me, not the rabbit and the hare, the tortoise and the hare. This is a case of the hare, the, the tortoise and the hare, and the hare woke up just in time to beat the tortoise across the finish line. That's what we saw here on this night. Effort nowhere near where it needed to be. Now, they did a decent job, I'll say, of staying in their structure, but there was a number of times tonight I I saw the snake charmer offense popped out. I thought it was a little bit arrogant the way that they were like trying to pass the puck into the back of the net rather than getting direct like they've been in so so many of these games past. I saw a number of times on the ice, and this is something I'm not used to seeing with the Winnipeg Jets, where you could see there was a compete for the puck moment that the Winnipeg Jets player just decided they weren't going to compete for that puck and let the other player have it. I've seen almost none of that from the Winnipeg Jets here. But this is the thing I come back to, and I know everyone wants to talk about the goals that were scored towards the end of the game here and the Winnipeg Jets playing the game the right way. This was the Winnipeg Jets waking up with about 10, 15, 13 minutes left in the third period and saying, okay, this is not a team that ha- is the caliber to be able to hang with us. And and it's, and it's that's most of the NHL, if we're being honest with what the, the Chicago Blackhawks are. A team that is jam-packed full of AHLers, has lost all its stars. This is a team that gave up opportunities that you can't expect other teams to give up. So I know people are talking in here about Gabe Velarde, and Gabe Velarde's got great hands in front of the net. He showcased that here tonight. People are talking like he pulled some kind of magic play to get open in front of the net there. This isn't the case at all. Go back and watch the play. The defenseman has no idea where he is. And I'll ask you this. Could you ever in a million years imagine the Winnipeg Jets leaving a guy that wide open in front of the net in that kind of game, in that scenario? Could you imagine the Winnipeg Jets doing that? We haven't seen them do that at any point during a game, never mind at at that crucial point of a game. Leave a passing lane open, not know where the guy is, leave him wide open in front of the net with three and a half minutes left, carrying a one-goal lead. And then the second goal that ends up being the game winner in this, uh, Nick Ehlers, 
just blows through the, uh, excuse me, through the neutral zone and goes in and scores. It looks fine and dandy. Hey, the guy who's supposed to have him there, who he skates past in the in the uh, uh, in the neutral zone, is too low. He's out of place. These are two goals you can't expect to score against the New York Rangers or the Dallas Stars, or I would argue the, the Edmonton Oilers, the way they're playing right now, the Vegas Golden Knights when they do right the ship. This is not a game the Winnipeg Jets win unless it's a Chicago Blackhawks team that is so in between being, you know, loaded up with AHLers being in between an AHL and an NHL team. You don't get these goals against NHL caliber teams. So I'm not buying the stick to the played the game the right way. Yeah, you heard it here first. The pessimistic Rennie is back. The positive thing about this is this is the only time I can remember seeing the Winnipeg Jets play like this. I remember they were outplayed by the Buffalo Sabres earlier on this year and won that game. I'll, I'll put it like this. The, the the Chicago Blackhawks, because they aren't, were, aren't able to generate a lot, listen, it's a one-goal game for them. I don't think the Jets fall out of their structure. I don't think LB has a bad game. He has a great game. I think he did a great job. But this wasn't the Chicago Blackhawks pushing. They really don't aren't capable of generating a lot offensively. And if you don't believe me, go back and look at their last seven games in which they've been shut out twice, allowed or scored only one goal, I think four times out of those games. This is a team that can't generate. This is what you expect from them to maybe score one goal in a game. You didn't see a lot of other opportunities from them because you didn't see them really pushing to the front of the net. They decided they got that goal and they were going to try and hold on to it for the rest of the game. So I'll say this, the Chicago Blackhawks did not deserve more here tonight, but maybe just maybe the Winnipeg Jets deserved less. That's my take on the whole thing. If you're looking for a rosier take, you're probably going to get one from our main man, Ken Weeb here. So let's bring him in here right now. Uh, the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Ken. Ken, back to the hitman look, looking like a million bucks. Uh, the, I, I don't think the Jets look like hitmen tonight, so we're going to leave you with the title of the hitman tonight, looking great, uh, as you always do in your Vittorio Rossi garb. I'll say this to people. If you want to look like a hitman or just look good, <laughs> doing whatever it is that you're doing. You know what to do. Head on down to Vittorio Rossi on Corden Avenue. Walk in loudly, proclaim that Kenny and Rennie sent you. Ask for Frankie and the boys. They will do you upright, give you whatever kind of sophisticated look you want. They got it covered. They're the guys to do it. Ken, I've already... Someone said I held the buffet hostage. That's probably a correct assessment of the entire thing. But I'm I'm willing to let it go and hand it over to you. Uh, so it's time, Ken. What do you got to say? Well, nice to see you. Uh, nice to see pessimistic Rennie back in the building. I uh, haven't seen him for a while. Yes. Uh, good to see your feistiness. Uh, I don't completely agree with uh, where you're coming from. Anyway, I, I would definitely agree it was not their sharpest. But 
I mean, I don't think the Jets really sleep were sleepwalking in the first. I mean, they had they generated seven high danger well. chances. They, they had started s- well. Seven high danger chances in the first. Mrazek had to be good. Um, I, I think that they were definitely skating in quicksand in the second period. Uh, their details were not exactly what we've come to expect from them. But I think that they were pretty well in control in the third and just weren't able to, you know, find the back of the net until you know Adam Lowry went to work I thought I thought Josh Morrissey I mean uh, we were talking about how great he's been just under 27 minutes again today and I, I thought he was the best player on the ice for either Josh team. Morrissey and, and Adam Lowry and Lowry was fantastic tonight. Yeah. They, they, there was no slip in their game I'll say that yeah no and uh, Morrissey especially you know Rick Bonus pointed it out I think in the post game I wasn't down there as I was writing on deadline but um, you know, it wasn't just an offensive uh, day for Morris. He was out there drawing penalties. He was out there, you know, breaking up two-on-ones where the Jets were a little bit loose. I mean, that, that's where I totally agree with you in terms of the details. Jets gave up too many odd man rushes and were just a little bit, you know, they were just a little bit off. They weren't uh, they weren't as crisp or as sharp as they have been, and that, that showed up in some of those odd man rushes. Uh, Lowry, fantastic job of leadership, uh, you know, promoted to that top line with the injury to Mark Shifley, uh, assists on both goals. I mean, you, you don't, you don't have, <laughs> you don't have a, t- you don't have a Jets win without two assists, uh, from, from Adam Lowry. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers was kind of buzzing all over the place. Uh, tons of shots, tons of shot attempts. Once again, really had his skating going, um, you know, defensively. I mean, they still only gave up twenty shots, and like you said, I mean, this is not a this is not a high high voltage type of lineup. So, nope. Um, I would say that you know the Jets have been very much leaning into the no excuses. But I agree with a couple people in the chat. This was the day where the Jets look look tired, and they didn't have much for legs, but they found a way to generate a bit. I mean, if they play like this uh, on Saturday, you know, I, I don't know that you know Philadelphia's been up and down at times this year but they work incredibly hard and, and Sean this is the other thing that we you know I, I agree with you that you know the Jets gave their gave their props to the Blackhawks for playing hard and making it more difficult on them but um, you know they're going up a weight class uh, if you will on Saturday even though the Flyers have been kind of going up and down a little bit but same thing they play incredibly hard for John Tortorella so let's just put it this way the Jets are going to need to be sharper uh, if they want to extend their franchise high, uh, you know, franchise record eight game winning streak to nine, because uh, Philadelphia is going to be hungry. But Philadelphia is also playing the night before in Minnesota, so we'll see yeah. about their, ex- you know, you know, <laughs> excuses versus solutions type of scenario that could be on the horizon here. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't the Jets' best effort, but at the same time, I thought that their first was pretty solid i mean they dipped a bit in the last five minutes of the first i thought their third was really good but i mean definitely they they need to be sharper lots of room for improvement i'll put it this way i'm not going to go quite as firmly as you did but i i definitely obviously they they were not at their best uh at the same time putting together an eight game winning streak is incredibly difficult in this league and you know they found a way to get the job done so i'm, I'm certainly not going to go out here and say this was a great great game for them certainly wasn't but and as you mentioned you touched on lauren brassois like that's just continuing to be sharp low volume game still was tested made a couple important saves some sneaky good saves some sharp angles um you know i thought 
the goal that went past him, he obviously didn't see it because he didn't react until it hit the back of the net. So yeah. uh, there was a lot of traffic there on the Connor Murphy shot. Um, the stability of Lauren Bressois, you know, since you know mid November or late November, mid November, in his estimation. I mean, I spoke with him about this in San Jose after the morning skate on Thursday. Um, we know there's lots of talk about the you know sharp angle special against Nashville. People down on him, but he really felt like he got in a groove in the you know kind of two starts leading into that one. And even though he called it a brain fart, the goal that went in from that bad angle. Otherwise, Bressois was really good in that game, and I know there was a lot of you know debate over when he should go in and you know everything else. But Bressois has been absolutely spectacular, Sean, since you know December or before that. I would say mid-November, and his ability to play well and get into this rotation and rhythm uh, is going to pay major dividends for the Jets, both in the short term and the longer term, uh, as they try to go a little bit further and, and get to where they want to be. Um. I thought he was great, and I think it's just more ammunition for my argument that the Winnipeg Jets look the same no matter who's in net. Um, and and I will say this: like I don't want listen. I get this, and hey, I'll I'll, I'll say this in the Winnipeg Jets. It's funny. I was going to do a story on this on Saturday, and then uh, it got brought out um, by uh, who was it? Uh, it was Kevin Shovel Day Off, I think. But in the Jets room. There is a loud or sorry, a large decal right over top yep. of the back wall that says no excuses. Um, clearly not the theme of the Kenny and Rennie chat room where people like JM, Sue, and a lot of people are saying this. It's one game, Sean. It was one game where they were visibly off, but not by much. Chill, my guy. Laugh out loud. Uh Robert Sutton here says not every win is pretty, but they still find a way to win. I think people know how I feel about the found a way to win crowd. To me, a lot of times it's a way of trying to trying to erase. Oh, we won. Let's just erase all the stuff that we didn't do right in that game. Listen, I'm sure Robert Sutton and JM Sue are the very same people that all the years that I was pointing out, or even last year at this time of year, pointing that the Jets weren't playing their game the right way, and if they didn't correct it, it was going to catch up with them. One game can turn into two, two can turn into four, four can turn into eight. Now, let me get out of, in front of this and say, I don't think that's going to happen. What I do think is that it's going to be extremely important, important in Rick Bonus's eyes that exactly to your point, the Winnipeg Jets come out and look like they have before this game against the the Philadelphia Flyers because you're right to me what I see the Philadelphia Flyers is is a poor man's version of the Winnipeg Jets a less capable team that is nonetheless bought into a system grinding in that system and going to make it a grind I think the Winnipeg Jets are the better team I think you know from night to night or whenever they play the Jets are the team that should win but what I'm looking for if I'm Rick Bonus is to make sure that some of the sloppy habits that we saw because this is what bothers me most about this game tonight it's it's not that they fell out of their structure there was a couple times where I thought uh, and I think this is true one of the reasons why Chicago kind of stopped trying to press there was one point that they threw the puck in behind the net and sent two guys to go get it. And the Jets had three guys, uh, 
coaches call it five on the dice, right? Think of looking at a dice and a, a, a die and seeing the five on it. And think of the players on the ice being in that position at all times. And the Jets were. They had two guys behind the net, one guy behind the goal line, and then two guys right tight. They looked like five on the die. And that really is the structure that would have made it really hard for the, the Chicago Blackhawks to generate anything. So I still think their structure was there. But boy, oh boy, was their details off. They were throwing pucks away. They typically wouldn't throw away. They weren't competing for pucks. They would typically compete for this kind of game would burn you against the vast majority of teams in the NHL. It would burn you if you brought this game again to the Philadelphia Flyers. So I do think that, listen, everyone's saying chill and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not thinking that this is a problem for the Winnipeg Jets going forward. But I will say this. If you're trying to tell me that that was a, a game that is a redeeming quality game, and if you're looking at that game and saying, hey, it's a reason to celebrate because we pulled this out, again, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it one bit. The Jets need to play better than they did in this game. They need to have better details. They need to have better effort if they're going to carry this kind of stuff forward. They absolutely need to do that. Sure. Um, just one quick one on that. I mean, it just... It, there haven't been a lot of games like this. I mean, no, we've, we've touched on this a lot. I mean, I, I, I there's a difference between uh, you know excuses and there being maybe um, you know some context on maybe why they weren't as sharp. I mean, that would that, I, that would that would be my own encounter. That's all. I guess I would say it like this: the Winnipeg Jets had a chance to make team history tonight. Okay, and if if the Chicago Blackhawks wouldn't have allowed a player to be ridiculously wide open in front of the net to score the game winner and allow a player to skate nearly untouched from the middle of the ice all the way in and shoot and score a game winner. If the Chicago Blackhawks wouldn't have allowed that, the Winnipeg Jets probably would have had their win streak snapped here tonight and missed an opportunity to have made history. And if they missed an opportunity to make history because of a game like that where their details were way off and their effort wasn't where it was supposed to be, then that would have been a shame. They got away with it tonight. They got away with it in this situation. They set, they they made team history in doing it. It would have been a shame if they would have lost that shot at the, at history because of something like that. Um, let's dive in a little bit more, but before we do, uh, because we're going to have uh, Alyssa Hood, uh, formerly from Game right Over, on. which is a Steve Dangle uh, podcast network effort that uh, has collapsed and they've shut down. Uh, we love supporting our podcast community here, so we're going to have um, we're going to have Liz on. She's going to come on in about eight minutes, ten minutes or so. But before we do get to Liz, I w- I'd like you to give Sweet Lou a shout out. Yeah, right on, Sean. If you have realty needs you'd like to have met in the new year, Lou Ferlin of Royal Page Dynamic Realty is your guy. 204-791-9971 or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. Whether you're buying, selling, or curious about what that house on the corner is going for, lose your guy. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast. Um, I'm going to get to talking about Cambrian really quickly here, and I'm going to do so through Adam Lowry. I'd said it before. The one thing that I I looked uh, in this game is at at points in the game where I was looking and I was thinking this is a frustrating effort by the Winnipeg Jets, there would cut through the ice Adam Lowry, who I don't think took a shift off this entire game. Josh Morrissey was the same thing. It's not a surprise uh, for me at all, at all, uh, that uh, those 
these two players factored in heavily on the game tying goal, uh, which I do think somewhat broke the Chicago Blackhawks, a fragile team. Um, Adam Lowry, though, getting moved into that spot, and we'll have to talk about Mark Shifley, yeah. but him getting moved into that spot for Mark Shifley, this is the second time uh, in two games that Adam Lowry has been where Rick Bonus has gone to solve the problem of not having Mark Shifley. People would have laughed at this suggestion a number of years ago. Uh, and hey, there were years, a lot of years there where they used Adam Lowry in front of the net and he had a lot of opportunities and wasn't able to cash in on those. Adam Lowry has increased as an offensive player. It is clearly obvious. That pass he makes, even though it's loose coverage, is a gorgeous pass. pass. The way he makes himself available for Josh Morrissey. The play Josh Morrissey makes to like seal off the boards and find himself a little bit of time for Adam to get into the right spot is absolutely great play but i'll say this putting adam lowry into the spot where um uh mark shifley would typically be completely and totally paid off a lot of people wouldn't have thought that a lot of people scoffed at the idea of it earlier on uh when we talked about it in this podcast but no doubt it paid off and hey if you're looking to pay off high interest credit cards or debt we suggest you go talk to our friends at cambrian credit union about their payoff loan they can show you how taking out a loan to pay off your debt actually gets you debt free faster and you can save thousands of dollars go to cambrian.mb.ca to book an appointment online ken uh, a little bit more about what you saw from Adam Lowry on this night. Oh, I mean, just a tremendous effort. And I couldn't agree more with what you said. I mean, it, in in those moments in the game where the Jets were struggling, even before Mark Shifley left the game, I mean, I, you, you looked at Rick Bonus looking down his bench, wondering where the spark would come from. And, and before he was promoted to the top line, and certainly after he was in that spot, he still did it. But Rick was constantly asking that third line, to get over the boards and get something going. And I thought that they had a couple important cycle shifts. And then when he got the promotion, that's when you saw the best of Gabriel Velarde. That's when you saw the best of Nikolai Ehlers. And uh, I think it was very impressive to see. And like, this is just another classic lead by example type of game. Like Adam Lowry knows his team is, is, you know, a little bit off kilter and not really rolling. And, uh, he found a way to get involved, whether it was physically or you know making smart plays. And there, you know, at the end of the night, he's he's on, you know, two goals. There they are, um, you know, setting up a pair of goals, having a great night. I mean, just another, just a vintage, like just another solid Adam Lowry esque performance. I mean, this is this is what he does. He gives you the best that he has to offer uh, every single night. Sometimes it results in points. Other times. It results in important penalty kills, and today I just thought he was he was excellent. Like I said, I think that Josh Morrissey was the best player on the ice, but uh, Adam Lowry was very close to the top of that list also. Uh, let's look at the numbers. Just under 20 minutes, 23 shifts for 19.33. Lowry had two shots on goal, five shot attempts, uh, two hits, two blocked shots. So, I mean, like just... If you needed someone to get involved somewhere, Adam was the guy getting involved, and that's that's kind of a testament to him. It's what he does, and it, it yeah, we've talked about this a lot. Um, Kevin Chevaldeff was quick to you know pass around the uh, the flowers, if you will, uh, to a lot of deserving candidates. We've talked about the leadership. This is not just a this is not a one player leadership group. Uh, they got a lot of guys not wearing letters that are leaders and parts of the core group. We know Adam Lowry has done an incredible job of setting the tone. Mark Shifley, Josh Morrissey have done great things with leadership. But um, 
again, this is another reinforcement of, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, when Adam Lowry was struggling offensively last year and went 35 games without a goal, a lot of people were talking about fourth line Adam Lowry, and I didn't buy that for one second, and I don't buy it now. Uh, I'm not here to say that the Jets, you know, are going to be rolling the way that they have been if Adam Lowry is their top-line center for an extended period of time, but he definitely can do the job as long as Mark Shifley is out, and, you know, then he's going to go back to his normal role and continue to play the way that he has been. I mean, he's been great. And, uh, you know, it's important that he continues to be great, and I would expect him to continue to be great because that's that's where he's at. I mean, that's the kind of player he is. He, you know, loves the additional responsibility, whether it's power play or at 5-on-5, five five, and he gives you everything that he has, and that's that's what he does. Um, I'll say this. He's, he's on a ridiculous heater. He is on a ridiculous heater of being the go-to guy for the Winnipeg Jets in, in big moments, right? Like if you think about last game, uh, him hopping in there and, uh, you know, taking over the way that he did. But if you go back to last season, the way yeah. that he dragged this team over the playoff line, the way he did, the way that he was in the playoffs, like Great in the playoffs. Adam Lowry, like the consistency. Okay. Being a pro more than anything is about consistency and, and the very best are the most consistent, right? So when you're talking about a guy like uh, um, Connor McDavid, like he just keeps putting up the points, putting up the points, putting up the points. The reason he's doing that is he just keeps the effort up. He keeps the skating up. Well, Ken, there was one time that they came in and they were playing on back-to-backs and we'd remarked because uh, remind me if it was the COVID year, did they play back-to-back games against the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg, did that not happen, or was it a back-to-back where they were in Edmonton and then traveled to Winnipeg? Uh, it, it was something like that. But everyone involved was in a back-to-back, and I remember you and I remarking when the show was over that basically Connor McDavid was the only one on the ice who looked like he wasn't in a back-to-back. Like he right. just looked just as fresh as he had before. Yeah. Um, that that's that consistency factor that the best have the consistent now adam lowry clearly does not have the offensive acumen of those kind of players but adam lowry is a different kind of hockey player and you know often a more effective hockey player the way he plays often just as effective but always effective when he plays the way that he does in turning around games and adam lowry's on a heater of just being like point out the last time you went i think there was one game earlier this year that someone texted me it's like lowry's actually having a pretty bad game maybe there was one or two but like we talk about an honest game consistency uh is usually the result of honesty going out and giving that honest effort over and over and again adam lowry is the guy that is like i can't imagine what it takes to come to the rink and battle the way he does as often as he does in a game and as consistently as he does from night to night, not just this season, but bleeding into last season and doing it to the degree that it affects the outcome of games. Adam Lowry's on a heater, and we should transition to Josh Morrissey quickly because essentially Josh Morrissey plays a different kind of game, but I would argue, Ken, that consistency we're seeing from him as well. The one thing that's interesting about him I'd said this last game, I'd seen someone make a comment on it, but when the Jets aren't as on top of their game and a little bit loose, the ice opens up a little bit. I think I talked about this on the last show, but Josh Morrissey, 
like he's a human eraser the way that he kills plays and the ease with which he does it with and it's not by him having you know this super long stick and being this big you know gruff defenseman that can shut stuff down he's just I say it all the time. He, he's another cerebral assassin. Like he shuts players down because he's smarter than them in the moment and just takes the puck away with such ease and turns it up ice. Uh, what are you seeing from Josh Morrissey, who we talked about lots last game and we should continue to based on his night tonight? Yeah, just an awesome game. And I mean, one thing that won't show up on the score sheet uh, was a great example of discipline from Josh Morrissey, Sean. Uh, he got involved physically with Adam or uh, Colin Blackwell. Uh, along the boards and yeah. Blackwell yes. basically wanted to go with them and, and Josh uh, quickly took stock of the situation and realized it wasn't a good trade for the Winnipeg Jets uh, to to drop the gloves in that scenario and he's 100% right with all due respect to Colin Blackwell but the Jets, need, the Jets needed Josh Morrissey over the boards basically every second shift and if he had gone to the penalty box for five minutes that wouldn't have been a smart play so uh, great identification in real time by Morrissey, and he just did an exceptional job defensively. Uh, you know, Dylan DeMello was injured early, blocked that shot on the inside of his leg, missed some time. The Jets are going rolling with 5D. DeMello comes back. Uh, Josh is bouncing back between partners. He was with Schmidt. He was back with DeMello. Uh, but all, what, you saw him all over the ice. Uh, you know, Paul Edmonds special. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere, he's omnipresent today. And uh, that was uh, that was impressive to see. And like I said, just under 27 minutes. And these aren't easy minutes. He's he's on the ice trying to propel the Jets to a rally. And uh, I just thought the Morrissey was uh, absolutely fantastic in the game. And, you know, just another classic. Again, much like the consistency level for both those players, Sean, through the roof. Same with Shifley Insane. this year. Insane, um, yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, we should go here. We're 33 minutes in. Just let's talk briefly about Shifley. Uh, well, let's not, no, no, no. Let's wait till Liss comes on the show, and we'll do that with Liss on the show because that's a good thing to dig in. She was in the green room, seems to have popped out. We'll see if she can hop back in here. I will finish with this comment, Ken, because you brought it up about the issue with Blackwell and Morrissey. I had wondered at one point if another Winnipeg Jet player was going to skate over and try and break that up. And I, I take a look at this situation, and I think the Winnipeg Jets for a lot of years now have had a real good finger on the pulse of when to kind of pursue the code and when not to, right? The Winnipeg Jets are definitely a team that doesn't abuse the code, if, if you know what I'm saying by that. like. But Adam Lowry will be the kind of guy who will have someone pop in and say, hey, you want to fight before the game because that's what we need to do? And he'll say, okay, fine, let's do it. But I've also thought the Winnipeg Jets, as they did against the Anaheim Ducks, don't run out of their way to try and get revenge or say, stay away from our star. They, to your point, keep keep the they, they keep the eye on the prize right because tonight you could have gone and done that and someone could have skated over and popped blackwell and said okay well i i'm doing this to you know open up ice for my captain we've won a bunch of games it's more important for us to send this message no with the winnipeg jets they always have their eye on the prize it's about winning that game they don't want to give away a free power play and find themselves down to nothing if they do that they probably don't come back and win this game so it's just another example of the winnipeg jets i think handling that code 
in this new NHL where we find ourselves now, as well as any team does handle that code. All right, time to bring in Alyssa Hood, uh, making her debut on the Kenny and Rennie show, doing so from her car. A little bit of Scott Billick vibes going on here with that. Um, Alyssa, I'm going to get you to start out here. Uh, We were just talking about Adam Lowry and... uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, We were just talking about Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey. Uh, I thought the Jets had an off night. I I think Ken's a little bit there with me. Um, But I didn't think Josh Morrissey or Adam Lowry had an off night. I thought the entire night they were playing. Just a word from you on the consistency you've seen from those two players, especially with Lowry uh, stretching all the way back through the last playoffs and even last year kind of dragged them over the playoff line. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I like kind of the most about a player like him is that he doesn't try and pretend to be something that he isn't. Um, and so what happens is he goes out there and, and he's playing the game that he wants to. But maybe that sounds like a Kevin Sawyerism, but what I mean by that is that he's not going and trying to stick handle through a bunch of guys like Nick Ehlers tries to do. He's not going out there to try and do the Josh Morrissey's half spin at the top of the circle. Like He plays his own style of hockey, which is really good for the lines that he has, You know, oftentimes especially the line that he's on right now and things like that. And I think that it's a really conducive style of play to the type of team identity and all those kind of things that that's looking for right now. So I think seeing him come out and just continue to play that sort of thing, um, regardless of who the opponent is, um, just that consistency is really helpful. Go on, Ken. No, you go ahead. That's good. I'll go after. Um, well, let's let's t- go in the direction you wanted to go because we are fairly deep into the show. But Shifley going down, I'm going to start with that. Um, uh, Liss, uh, just kind of take it away what you think he's meant to this team so far. The challenge that the Jets would be up if they did not have him for an extended period of time. Uh, and then after that, we can kind of dive into maybe some of the, the fantasy GM scenarios of who you bring up to plug that hole if there is a hole to plug. Yeah, I mean, toss some salt over my shoulder. Like, let, let's hope that this is all, like, you know, fully hypothetical. Because, like you said, this this would be a massive hole that's left by a player like this. I saw a couple people on Twitter that, you know, spoke exactly like what I, I'm feeling, which is that this is a type of player that's irreplaceable with anyone that's currently in the lineup. Um, and I think what he's bringing right now is just kind of that conducive style of play to a lot of the different wingers that are on the Jets right now. Like, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of him with Kyle Connor. I think a lot of people know that. Um, but right now what he's giving to the Connor, or pardon me, the Ehlers and Velarde line is that added complementary piece where in the sense they all complement each other. Um, but, you know, a shooting threat, a passing threat and all those kinds of things. And he actually carries the puck pretty well. I find I, I like the way he plays um, the top, you know, contrary to a lot of popular belief, the top of the five man defensive unit. I like the way he pokes a little bit when he's at the top of that little triangle or star whatever you want to call it there um and just very consistent effort from him this year that i feel like i can't quite say from a lot of previous seasons that every game you know he looks like he's really really trying out there and that sounds like you know it's just a generalization when it comes to players but anyone who knows mark shifley knows how big of a deal that is for him to look engaged in what's going on um so i think that that would be obviously a massive hole of someone who brings you know all those things to the first line or any line that he's on and has worked really well with a lot of the really important pieces in the top six this year. Yeah, and for the folks who missed it during the game, Sean, did you catch anything near the end of the first period? I know a couple people sent me a note on Twitter saying that they might have saw Shifey laboring a little bit because coming out in the first shift of the second during the power play, there didn't really seem to be an instance how, to me it looks like a groin injury and, you know, again, I'm not a professional lip reader or doctor, but uh, the camera crew caught Mark Shifley before he went down the tunnel looking at Nino Niederreiter 
and it looked like he mouthed my groin, but I didn't really notice a play late in the first. But to me, the fact that they ruled him out that early, I I would still lean towards precautionary, but I don't really, you know, again, we, we'll find out a little bit more Friday or maybe we won't. I mean, this could be one of those situations that drags for a little bit. But, uh, Liz, what what did you think of the, you know, did you see anything on Shifley that, that might have caught your attention in terms of maybe creating an injury like the one either I'm suggesting or whatever lower body issue he may be dealing with? Like, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I don't really want to speculate a whole ton because I actually didn't even notice kind of what was going on. And when I, you know, heard that that was what was going on, I was like, oh, boy, please don't be the the ear thing was big, my big fear right away because I didn't notice anything, um, you know, on on yeah. that play in particular. But then, you know, you get the notification out of the game with a lower body injury. Um, so I, I, I can't speak exactly to the play that was going on. Uh, for those of you who don't know, hence the car and all of the nonsense going on here. Um, I was at the game tonight and I have all kinds of other things happening. So I find when I'm at the game, I'm, I'm less speculative on like those little things like that. So I didn't notice anything big there, but yeah, groin is also what I feel like people are speculating that I'm seeing as well. Um, and if that's the case, hopefully it's just kind of like one of those things that just needs a little bit of rehab um, for a couple of days and then it'll be good to go. Yeah. It's always so tricky with these kind of things. I, I would suggest it's a precautionary thing uh, from what I've seen so far, but I mean, if I'm being honest, that's just guessing. We have no idea yeah. here. You never know how these things are going to be. Uh, Ken, if it's groin, groin's one of those things that can take a while to heal. So that's not necessarily the best case scenario. But I mean, I think for the most part, if you've been an athlete in your life, especially if you've been a hockey player, you've pulled your groin at some point. Now it can be crazy i remember having pulled the groin i remember i used to think guys who pulled their groins were such sucks and then i pulled mine and i couldn't walk up the stairs i lived in i was in university and lived in this apartment that or a bi-level house that had like five sets of stairs and i couldn't get up i needed people to bring my food down i'm a little soft too let's be honest here but uh um, if if it's that scenario it may take some time but you don't have to worry about it being something for it i think in these situations that's a lot better than the idea of tweaking something in the knee right because it's those kind of things that while you can sit there and you can say something just doesn't feel right you get to the doctor and the doctor's like yeah the thing that doesn't feel right is going to need you know a little bit of corrective surgery or at least a scope or something like that so i think it's uh, it's a good situation i i guess i would say from this point we'll quickly we touched on this with Kyle Connor went down, but list should there be time without Mark Shifley? How do you think the Jets are uh, poised to handle it? Listen, I initially would have said, uh oh, um, but I mean, you lose a guy like Kyle Connor, um, and look what the Jets have done, right? So obviously they're able to pull some strings internally to band together and all these kinds of things. Um, but I think they bring very different things to the game, so I don't really want to equate the situations to be exactly similar. Um, you know, with Kyle Connor there's less of that, you know, playmaking and all those kinds of things that are super important. But the the driving force that Mark Shifley brings to a five on five line um, is really, really difficult to replace. And they frankly cannot do it internally. So I think um, it would, it would be a massive hole. It would be an, another opportunity for more guys to step up, obviously in, in the absence of Velarde and, and Cal Connor, we've seen unlikely heroes like guys like Vlad Nemesikov come up in, in big ways. So maybe there is more to be pulled out of some of these guys in the lineup. But frankly, right now, I think a lot of the guys are playing, 
pretty much the the best they can. I'm not, you know, there's no one that goes out there and I'm like, I really wish I was getting more out of you right now. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what this, uh, this comment here is about. I, I'm pretty sure I win that argument regardless of, uh, uh, I don't know. It sounded like it was pretty close there for a while. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Kenny was wearing a, a Dubois jersey to game tonight, but I was. But, <laughs> for, for those people at home, Waiters27 says, who likes Dubois more, Kenny or Liz? The backstory on Liz, who shared like a really great story about when she was a, an exchange student in Quebec correct yeah. and mm -hmm. went to go watch Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, coming up as a star there we really got attached to him at that time so that he ended up in Winnipeg at this point so there's a lot of broken there's a you're breaking her heart when you when with all the schadenfreude uh, <laughs> over Pierre-Luc Dubois now list the backstory for Ken is Ken was a I, I, I'm not going to say a supporter but Ken was really pushing there was a lot of pushback between he and i over uh pierre-luc dubois and usually when rennie was playing the heel which i've done once or twice on this show before when it came to pld often ken would be his knight in shining armor and also had suggested that uh pierre-luc dubois was going to sign the richest contract in jets history which, which he actually did he was right he, he was right <laughs> ken was right about that so uh uh anyways that's the back i'll be the vice there. president it's okay i'll be the vice president you can be uh, the president well, I, you can I be the president it. But there yeah, to, okay. to go back to the air. Yeah, finish, finish your point there. Yeah. Sorry uh, to get a little distracted there. Thanks, waiters. It's um, it's part of the show, and it's, it's very commonly happens to people oh, who yeah. are on for the first time. You're just following in the footsteps. Oh, for sure. But yeah, no, I think, um, well, and, and even like tonight, for example, I, I was joking around with one of my friends um, who I was at the game with that I was like, oh, maybe the power play will be good now that they don't have Mark Scheifele on the left wall. But, like, I think there are opportunities that will arise. Like, there are any time um, a, a big player leaves, which is just the 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 silver lining to look for um but kind of the tldr of all this is i think they don't have anyone right now who i think could step up um in a capacity to fill the role that he's playing right now especially as strong as this top line has been um but i think we're approaching the time of the year where the jets would be looking to add anyways and i think it is important that just given the type of year that they're having that they over add as opposed to under add because of the insurance that is needed in case of situations like this um, so I'd be interested to see how they decide to manage this should the situation arise where they have to do it. Liz, uh, what stood out to you about Kevin Cheveldayoff's presser today? I, I think I'll say the same thing that everyone else did. The the attitude, like the just the positivity that kind of surrounded it. You know, the comments were what they were. There, A lot of them were, were similar, but there was just more about the circumstance and things surrounding um, that he just seemed a lot happier. And I think it's it's very obvious that there's a lot of happiness just, you know, from the heart going on in this organization right now, whether it be player or any, um, you know, employee of, of true North. Um, it, it was just kind of not what he said, but how it felt, you know, that was what really stood out to me. Can you? Yeah. I, I thought that uh, there was a little bit more of a personal touch here um, as, as he occasionally does. I think he mixed in a little bit of humor. Uh, I, I like the shot that I, I like that. <laughs> There's always a there's always a media shot in there. The uh, I know a lot of you guys didn't like what I said the last time when I didn't supply any vision, and, and you're probably not going to like what I say today. Um, I mean, even Paul Friesen saying or saying that you know people, including me, were giving you heat, and Chevy had a little bit of a smirk on his face before he answered. I mean, um, in terms of what he said, I mean, Sean, you and I were both. You and I were both kind of prodding a little bit. You know, Mike McIntyre, my colleague, asked him about the trade deadline. We were trying to prod for a little bit more information, but uh, our, our fishing expedition kind of went nowhere. But I did think it was interesting that he, the way he answered my question about not necessarily wanting to disrupt 
chemistry. Now, is that a smoke screen to other general managers? Is that how he really feels? And he's going to take this big swing. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, he definitely went out of his way to, to talk about some of the factors that, that weigh in. We know whether it's, uh, you know, performance bonuses. And again, performance bonuses, he's talking about Cole Perfetti in the year that he's having, right, with his ELC. Um, you know, is there as much cap room as, as they anticipate? Now, if there's an injury with Shifley, you know, Kyle Connor's injuries sort of affected their bottom line. It'll be interesting to me. I mean, overall, you know, nothing terribly groundbreaking, but I thought he showed his human side, uh, you know, when he went on his Prairie Boy rant. I thought that, that that's important because some people kind of forget. Like Kevin Chevaldeo has been in the NHL. Like some people don't know his, you know, history with the Chicago Wolves and, you know, the way his career ended and, you know, being an assistant coach with the Utah, you know, in the IHL and taking over the Wolves. So I thought he showed a lot of pride in the, in the community. Uh, and I thought, you know, overall, I thought he handled himself pretty well. I mean, he was keeping his cards close to the vest, which is what we've come to expect after 13 years of this. But uh, I do think that the he certainly didn't dismiss the opportunity to maybe add to this team. And uh, I think he does believe that he owes it to the group. He has reinvested and doubled down on this group very often. And I think he's going to want to upgrade the roster uh, for a potential for a playoff run. This was the uh, heading into it, what I believed was going to be the Kevin Day off the, the Seinfeld Kevin Sheveldale presser, <laughs> the presser about nothing. There's just like really no fires to talk about. There's the right. only real thing to, to kind of address here was, was Kevin Sheveldayoff going to like go on the record? Because a lot of other GMs will and say like, well, you know, he, he didn't even go as far as saying we will actively be right. looking to make our team better, which is saying nothing, but it's at least hinting like, we could do something. I mean, the whole idea here, uh, I, I think the same thing, Ken. The one thing I take away from this in trying to read, like, you know, decode Chevy language, yeah. which is a language that no one has ever decoded before, <laughs> if we're all being honest with ourselves. In trying to decode Chevy language, I would say the fact that he played it as cool as he did about the idea of adding was a little bit of a tell. That's my takeaway from that, because him being like, well, you don't want to disrupt chemistry and all this kind of stuff. Don't tell me that the guy who knew about going and getting a guy like Vladislav Domestikov or going and get Nino Niederreiter and how they fit into the room and guys like Brendan, like this is a guy who has been the architect of taking, you know, a culture in the room. Like he set his mind to it and he, he can own his, his, what his part of the ownership of what the culture in the dressing room for the Jets was for a long time but he set out to correct that he did that quite a bit with personnel and went out and got a bunch of guys yeah. who are a huge reason why this team has the culture it has now so don't for a second try and tell me kevin that you're not confident you can go out and find guys who fit in with the culture of this room he's done it a number of times repeatedly over and over again even a guy like nate schmidt who yeah he's been in and out of the lineup but he fits the culture he's a driver of the culture uh, so that to me was him throwing out a, a little bit of a decoy. Uh, and I, to me, it felt like an obvious decoy, which tells me, I, I think it's exactly the way I asked the question. I think the Winnipeg Jets take a look at this and they, his job right now is to look at this and say, where are we vulnerable? If we go into the playoffs, where can another team exploit us? And if there's a spot 
on this team that can be exploited, then I need to close that up. That's my job at this stage. So he's not going to say it. But to me, I actually think he said more than we've usually heard him say before in trying to throw that decoy out. If you're throwing out the decoy, it means you're like you're doing a little bit of look over there, everybody. Uh, I know where to look. I'm looking at Kevin Chevel day off trying to add as the draft. Uh, excuse me, uh, as we get closer to the trade deadline. Okay, we got to get to some business here. Uh, Johnston Group got you covered. Play of the game, uh, Liss. If you uh, if you're comfortable, you can lead with it, or we can have Kenny go first. Oh boy, um, I. Is it is it commonplace on the show to pick the obvious one? Because I think I have to go with the Nikolai Ehlers goal. Um, man, oh man, he, he walks in um, that that goal. I the Gable article. Listen, like it was great. It was so loud. I wanted to do the macarena. I was so ready to do the macarena, and I couldn't tell what part of the song we were at. I was like, hello, I need to, to hear because it was so loud, and I actually thought it like it was almost as loud as playoff Canada Life Center when Nikolai Ehlers scored that goal. Um, it was just what a what a smooth walk in. Chicago defense stood no chance whatsoever um, and, and took that game away to, to continue set records in this franchise. So easy play of the game for me. I'm going to say something here, Liz. I know that people in the chat room are saying that you're taking over. Uh, you're the next generation. You're, we're going to lose our jobs. But you're not going to take me off as the host that easily. You transitioned from the Johnson Group Got You Covered play to the TCB, the Trans-Canada Brewing Company, Lamplighter play of the game. So we're going to, I'm going to allow it for this time. I'm going to allow you to take it. You took and You hijacked the show. You took it in that direction. We'll do that now. So, Kenny, you give us your TCB. I'm <laughs> Warning you, list though, you're on my radar now. I'm watching out for this. Ken, what's your uh, TCB lamplighter of the worry. game? <laughs> Liss, a good host would have let me go first, so then you could have followed up with the under, uh, you know, the play, the the kind of under the radar play of the game. My lamplighter, maybe, maybe it's a trap game for uh, Alyssa, <laughs> Alyssa too. You know what I mean? Here we go. <laughs> uh, lamplighter for me is uh, most definitely Ehlers, uh, Velarde. You know. I will have to say, Velarde, we were talking about this earlier on in the year, and Nino Niederreiter, we were talking about, you could have measured, you know, in his first, his first 10 goals, you know, eight of the 10 were within a foot of the blue paint. Uh, Gabriel Velarde is is making a habit of uh, knocking pucks down around that blue paint as well. Uh, I was definitely impressed. I mean, earlier in the game, uh, he was on that two-on-one with Nate Schmidt, and the pass, he batted it out of the air with his foot and still got a good shot off, but... Uh, I love the hands. I love the play by Lowry. And as you mentioned earlier, Sean, Morrissey's ability to keep that puck in, to set that up. But, I mean, Ehlers in a night where he was kind of buzzing around, uh, the fact that the Jets kind of went bang, bang, you know, a couple days after Dennis Bayak was in the building in Arizona at Mullet Arena, uh, a little bit of a tribute there to two games later. I think you got to go Ehlers uh, with the GW as well, with all due respect to the Macarena. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna give it to to the first one just because that play I, I thought in the end if this game was gonna get taken yeah. over the way that they were playing Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry were gonna play a huge hand in it uh, and again just the idea of of. Uh, um, Adam Lowry coming out and being okay. So you you need me to shut down the other team. You need me to lead the charge and show everybody else how to play. And you need me to be Mark Shifley when Mark Shifley falls out of the lineup. Done. 
I, I love the attitude uh, of Adam Lowry, and that's why for me that's the uh, Transcanner Brewing Company Lamplighter of the game brought to you by our good friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. Hey, as good as Lissa's pick was, as good as Ken's pick was, none of that matters. The only pick that matters is yours because if you share with us your pick for the TCB Lamplighter of the game, you're automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie and on this night list to gift you your own eight pack, you can head on down to Transcanner Brewing Company at their tap room at 11290 Keniston, where we will be hosting our Kenny and Rennie, our next party uh, on January 22nd. Bruins game, rooms filling up. Looks like it's going to be a small room party unless there's a big push at the end of the uh, uh, slot here. I think we got about 10 days to go here, Ken. Uh, we'd love to absolutely pack that room. So uh, anyone who wants to come down, uh, go to Eventbrite, search up Kenny and Rennie, January 22nd. We'd love to see you down there. Appreciate all the people who've been sending me message for the people who have got tickets. Liz, you were at one of our parties. You came last year with your dad, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I that a was shovel. a ton of fun. There you go. You, you deserve the shovel. Um, hey, I guess I've got a shovel on the wall too. So now th there's not a lot differentiating us now that it seems like you're the host of this show as well. <laughs> Anyways, I better uh, hand out our winner of the TCB uh, from our last game. And that would be LD. LD from the comment room, from the chat room. LD, as simple as that. I need you to share with me your full name and your email address. And if you do that, and you need to do it uh, by direct messaging me at SN Sean Reynolds, if you do that, you I will send you a voucher for a frosty, delicious eight pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale, the Nectar of the Gods, brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. Okay, Ken, I'll start first with you, the keg <laughs> save of the game. What are you thinking? Keg save of the game. Uh, honorable mention, uh, Lauren Brassoit, a couple sneaky ones, but save of the game was Mrazic on Mesnikov. Two-on-one, Perfetti feeds it perfectly, and just absolute robbery, I think, with the right pad. Uh, so for me, that was my choice, even though, like I said, I thought you could give a cumulative effort to Brassois, but in terms of individual saves, I thought that that one, in still a one-goal lead for the Blackhawks, was my choice for save of the game. What do you got, Liz? Um, I'm not going to give it to Chicago Blackhawk because I like the Jets, Kenny. I don't know what that's all about, but I'm going to give it to, there was a, there was a save that, um, that Russell made with his right pad. I'm mm, on, on one of the power plays. Um, big, big fan. I, everyone who knows me knows I'm awful at evaluating goaltenders, so I honestly can't describe the save much more beyond it was a right pad save that probably went a good 45 degrees out. Um, but if it had gone a little bit straighter ahead, it would have gone right onto the Blackhawk stick. So I thought it was a really well positioned save, so give it to that one. I, hey, I'm not. I'm gonna just go with both your choices here because a one of my New Year's resolutions was to be nicer to Kenny and not disagree with him as much, and b because Liz is threatening me at this stage, threatening to take over the as the host of the show, so I don't want to piss her off. But anyways, that uh, as as good as their choices are, they don't matter. Yours matters. So share with us, share with us your hashtag the keg save of the game, uh, and you will automatically be entered to win a fifty dollars gift certificate to the keg at any of their three locations in the city. Each location finer than the last, and the winner from our last show it was a great show for people in the chat room with just initials because M E M as in Manitoba, <laughs> E as in Echo is the winner of the keg $50 gift certificate, but only if they direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds, give me their full name and an email. I can send that $50 gift certificate too. So you're on the clock, Emmy. You got to get that done before the next game. Otherwise, 
it's gone. Yeah, you, you have achieved greatness and it'll all be gone. Okay, circling back to the Johnson Group got you covered play of the game, which is that play it can kind of be any kind of play, but quite often it's like someone messes up and someone pops in and kind of saves the day. Ken, why don't you lead with that one? Sure, I'm going with the uh, Nate Schmidt breakup yeah. on the 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 slide was the slide was impressive, but it was the reach around with the stick that finally broke up the two on one rush. Uh, so that was my choice for the unheralded. We've got you covered. Play of the game. Well, how about you, Liz? Man, so the reason I hijacked it last time is because I was actually trying to galaxy brain you guys because I didn't have. A <laughs> sure, you were less okay. So I wanted to jump to give me time to think. And I had time to think, and I thought of that. So, Kenny, watch out, man. Um, beyond that, um, like that's that's what I would. We can agree, to. though. We can agree. It's all good. We you can, can go on. Okay. You can you can go on team Kenny. It's okay. Okay. Shonda- you know what? It's not okay, Liz. Listen, <laughs> he's trying to lure you down a very lonely and oh, easy road. now. Uh, well, you know what? Then I, then I will agree with Kenny. I'll also give a, a side play verse play of the game or what is it johnson group i apologize for butchering this twice now um the guy who booed my uh my purely watchers it's a, a slight one for me but no nate schmidt i made a comment that was uh keeping him in the lineup now that i'm going into what's behind his back there and helping to get back to the lineup pretty um that was a great play um at a really beautiful time on a play that could have really gone badly for the Jets. so shout out to him for that one yeah you know what uh i, I I like that one. I, it's probably there, but right there with it for me to the point I was making mm-hmm. before about Josh Morrissey, how he shuts down these plays. And it's he, Josh Morrissey's got a little bit of, okay, so Schmidt's breakup is essentially the goaltender that is down and out, slides across the crease and pulls off the amazing save, right? Josh Morrissey's two-on-one breakup is essentially Connor Hellebuck, the big and boring, <laughs> making something that is really hard look easy. The play where Josh Morrissey breaks that two-on-one up is... An extremely hard play to pull off, and he makes it look like he's doing it in his sleep. Again, one of the reasons this guy's a top five defenseman in the NHL. Again, another reason he had a great game here tonight. But uh, I, I think that I would go with that one just because of that. I guess I should say this: like, have you seen a team the way that they've played this year? Uh, have you seen? a full collection of defensemen be able to defend the two-on-one the way the Winnipeg Jets defense has this year. Like, it's crazy at this stage. Pionk pulls it off all the time. Morrissey pulls it off like it's nothing. Schmidt's pulling it off. Dylan Sandberg erases these things like crazy. Like, there's a lot of odd man rushes that, like, I talk a lot about their system but when their system does break down it's almost like these great opportunities that other teams get get, amount to absolutely nothing because their defense are able to pull off plays like these and then if they get past that you've got to face either lb or you got to face connor hellebuck but either way i agree with you guys both uh i'd like to throw in the josh morrissey for consideration on the johnson group got you covered play of the game the kenny and rennie ogs at the johnson group hey if you run a small business in canada you need to look to canada's number one employee benefits plan chambers plan to give you a competitive edge chambers plan is the simple stable smart choice for over thirty thousand businesses countrywide Visit chamberplan.ca to learn more. And before we do wrap this up, Ken, I would like to go from the beginning of the show and get back to it. The Winnipeg Jets, this was not the 
effort that we're used to seeing from them. I get that sometimes teams have off nights. I saw too many times the Winnipeg Jets looked at a player and said, you know what, just take it. That hasn't been the Winnipeg Jets' MO this year. They got outworked for quite a bit of that game. They pulled it off at the end of the game against a team uh, that just basically allowed way too much open ice at a crucial time of the game. They're not going to get away with that very much more often. I agree with everybody. It's one game, no reason to panic, but it's also enough to take a night off against the the worst team in the league uh, and almost lose that game and almost lose a franchise record streak in the process because of it. So the Jets and the way they played tonight, they need to a pristine roofing wake-up call uh, for and hopefully they'll get it in time for Saturday. Hockey Night in Canada game against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, which I will be hosting. Harn Ryan Singh is back in town, but we get to the idea of the pristine roofing call and that means it's time to give North End Rick the pristine roofing call at one 204 981-6289 for all your roofing, siding, exterior needs. He's the guy to call. He'll come down, take care of business for you. Let Pristine Roofing know what needs to be done, and then Pristine Roofing can come down. If you want to get a hold of them, one 237 7663 List, you absolutely rocked it. Uh, I hate what happened uh, with you. This is a tough industry, um, but boy, oh boy, every time I've ever dealt with you before, you interviewed me on your show. I've dealt with you outside of this world. I remember at the golf tournament. Uh, you're a pro everywhere you go. I had, uh, I don't know if you heard this, I had lunch at the keg yesterday, or sorry, two games, two days ago with your uncle Dan Rasmussen. Great guy. I did hear nice about to meet this. Him. Yeah. Uh, he told me all about you. He didn't tell me you were going to come and try and hijack my position on this show, but he did tell me a lot of other really great things. So anyway, not, that's why yeah, he, he was, you. there we go. Yeah. So he was getting Intel. That's it. Lure me in with a dinner at the keg and then try and take my job. I get it. I get it. How it works. Liz, you were awesome here tonight. Great work. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you're going to land on your feet uh, and you're going to be doing great things in the future. The chat room uh, caught on to it and this chat room can be a little slow sometimes. So for them to catch on to it, you did a really good job here tonight. Yeah. Uh, Ken, like to as myself- always, a quick shout out for being able to manage talking with all these chat comments coming up. You guys are hilarious. This is so funny. <laughs> it's good. Great job, chat room. Uh, we should give them a shout out. I'll do that. Uh, Ken, do you have anything to say before we go? No, thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy the second half. Uh, no, well, come on. Sorry, one quick one. Where, where, is, where does Billy Hanela fit when he's back up to speed? Sorry. Uh, okay. Speaking of hijacking, uh, we just gave you these, uh, gave you the flowers on the way out the door. But uh, you know, I can't got to take advantage. The floor is yours, the president of the Free Hanela Fan Club. Listen, I like you said, president of, of this fan club, and even I am really, really cut up and torn right now. Like Sean, you were mentioning earlier when you're talking about the Josh Morris play on the game with the two on ones, like things like this. Like the Jets have six players who are defending well right now. And I don't think we've had six defenders well at the Winnipeg Jets in quite some time on a consistent basis like we're seeing right now. Um, and, and Billy Hanela brings a lot of really exciting things to the game. And I think that, you know, if we're looking at a long-term play and all these different kinds of things, um, it, it's really important to get them into the games and stuff like that. But if they're looking at this point where, where they're at, which is, you know, home ice advantage for the playoffs is how what they're looking at right now. That's how good they're playing. I don't know if it makes sense to start testing about, you know, obviously the conditioning set and the moose will, will hopefully tell them a lot if he succeeds there to the degree that he has in the previous seasons. The Manitoba moose, obviously last year, he was excellent. He played really well with them and had an amazing camp with the Jets this year. He can get back up to that level. 
obviously I'd like to see him get into some games and things like that. But, um, you know, with the way the Jets are going right now, there, there's no one I want to see the permanent spot from right now until I, I'm told otherwise. But but that being said, we know tonight we, we have a little scare with Mark Shifley. We know what's going on with Kyle Connor, all these things. Like injuries can happen on, the, on you know, the snap of the finger, right, which is, you know, not what you want. But especially with defensemen, you, you never know. Um, so I, I hope he gets up to speed really quick because there may be an opportunity, whether we like it or not, for him to jump in. And I, you know, hope he does well. Ken, what, what do you think can happen? Yeah, I mean, I've been saying this for weeks and months even. I think Vili Hainala, this is, I expect him to get back up to speed relatively quickly. But having seen a lot of players deal with this type of injury, the nature of the injury and the amount of time missed, I just don't see this being a 7 to 10 day scenario. You're, you're, you're not putting the player in a position to succeed if you rush him back. He's missed half a season and... He was playing great in training camp. Absolutely right. He played great in the exhibition. But those are games not against NHL competition in games 42 to 62. So he needs time to get up to speed and give him his 20 to 25 minutes a game with the Moose. And once he's ready and dominant, if there's an opening for him to play, let him play. But right now, he's got people to pass on the depth chart. And right now, Nate Schmidt has solidified his spot in the sixth slot. And I think Nate Schmidt is going to do his best to hold down all all you know all comers for the job. But having said that, if there's an opportunity, we know uh, the power play is an area where Vili Hanela can contribute. If he can get his defending, I expect him to get his feet back no problem. When he plays an assertive game, he can be an NHLer. But right now, the biggest thing for him is his ability to defend at the NHL level. And we're not yeah. going to know that unless he's defending at the NHL level. And to Liz's point... The Jets aren't in a scenario like the Blackhawks where you can get the guy in the lineup and have on-the-job training, and you can make a bunch of mistakes, not even necessarily a bunch. You can make mistakes that aren't going to cost the team. So all, every player makes mistakes. I expect Vili Hainala to get up to speed, but I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I don't know if he's going to jump in, and right now Nate Schmidt is not provided the opportunity for anyone to take his job, and we'll see how it plays out. Um, I'm just going to bring this up. Julian Labossier says, Kenny, he shut down the Stutzla line in those games. NHL player not going 100% are still NHL players. Like This is like you're talking about preseason here. This is a totally different thing. Ken makes a really good point. And and the reason why it's a really good point is to Lissa's point, the defensemen for the Winnipeg Jets have set the bar so high and this team is so on the same page that it's 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 a very tough task for Vili Hanela to come in and do this. Now, before this, it was all about Vili Hanela at the beginning of the year, cracking the roster and getting an opportunity to get in and show what he could do and grow his game at the same time as the Winnipeg Jets were growing their game. He could grow with them. They could grow together. The Winnipeg Jets clearly are on a track right now. People like to call them a wagon, a speeding train, whatever you want to call them. They're all together and they're all heading in one direction. So there's not as much time as there was at one point for Vili Hanela to make mistakes, to do this, to do that. So I know T. Will wants uh, Vili Hanela to go in and be given every opportunity to make every mistake for 20 games. That, that 
what I think what Ken is saying is a smart thing in the idea that you want to give Billy Halo the best possible shot to step into the lineup and never fall out. That's what you want if you're the Winnipeg Jets. You want Billy Halo to step in, take his spot on that blue line, and never look back. So you now want to put him in a position where it's not unfair to him to walk in and try to have to play catch up with a team that is all together and speeding down the hill. So he needs to get his legs underneath him. He needs to make sure that he's fully and completely understanding of the system and knows where the Winnipeg Jets system is so that when he does get that opportunity, he becomes the player that so many people in the say something nice about Billy Hanela community want him to be. Uh, great points by both you once again. Uh, time for us to shut it down, but what I do as I do every time we have this show is at the end of the show say, if you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces, Liss had one of those spaces. Uh, it's been taken away. She will be back. Uh, and boy, oh boy, you're welcome to come on our show. I hope this isn't the last time we do this. If you can carve out some time with us. Just remember who the host is, Liss. That's all you need to do. It's yeah, pretty please. simple. Come on, say stuff. And then remember who the host is. It's that simple. Uh, but other than that, if you appreciate the conversations going on in these spaces, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space for us. Vittorio Rossi, Cambrian Credit Union, Pristine Roofing, Sweet Lou Furlan, the Johnson Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Keg, and of course, Transcanada Brewing Company. And I'll say this as I always do. Uh, thank you, chat room, for being who you are, for giving us the comments that you give, for bringing the levity that you bring to this show, and for treating our guests so absolutely well. Liss is a rising star. You recognized it, and you made sure she knew it. Thank you for doing that. Can't wait to do this with all you again uh, on Saturday after Hockey Night in Canada when the Winnipeg Jets face the Philadelphia Flyers. Bye, everybody.